here we are, the first annual, annual, it's not annual, I'm gonna do more than one this year. <laughs> but the first official uh, Vox Community live podcast. And uh, we are here in a room full of people having a good time. Say hello, say woo! <laughs> I had to tell you how to woo. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my name is Andy. I'm the creative director at Vox Community. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we have a little church uh, here in Placentia. Not here, we are actually in downtown Fullerton tonight at a place called Fieldwork. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, Vox Community is a, a church that meets Sunday mornings uh, in Placentia at El Dorado High School at the Performing Arts Center. Um, you can learn more about that at voxoc.com. Uh, tonight's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. Tim Mulehoff is here, and uh, he's going to be uh, sharing on the topic of relationships, love, marriage, but I yeah. think with the big backdrop of communication, I yeah, believe, should right? be fun. I yeah. got one woohoo is from my wife. Yeah. yeah that was kind of <laughs> but, that's, but that one's a valuable no, one. No, that was <laughs> huge. That's a, that's a big one. That was one. huge. Yeah, that's a that big one. So, um, awesome. And then um, I also have here uh, Eddie Park, who is... Yeah. <laughs> the master. Oh, we, got a, we got some woos and actually some hand claps. I got, I got, I got big ear, ear things. I can't hear it. So. Did, my wife, did my wife cheer? Is she I even in she... the room? All right. All right. I'm just going to believe that she did. <laughs> yeah, she's down, she's down at the bottom of the stairs there. She's hiding. So, um, well, great. Well, uh, what we're going to do is Tim's going to do uh, a bit of a topic in a little bit, but um, I want uh, to give Eddie actually a chance uh, to share a little bit about um, what he does. Um, we've invited um, Hug Chuck, uh, Hug Chuck, whoa, do you guys ever get that? Hug um, Chuck. Hug Church uh, to partner with us for this event um, here tonight. They actually uh, have been meeting and doing their preview services here, uh, but I'll let Eddie talk a little bit about that. So if you could um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, uh, Hug Church, and, uh, and even a little bit about field work where we're doing this event. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Eddie Park. I am a new church planter. Um, I actually served on staff with Andy at EV Free Fullerton with Mike Erie um, <laughs> during that short time. <laughs> and uh, definitely uh, shared the pulpit with Tim uh, yeah. for a little bit and uh, eventually ended up on the pulpit somehow at EV Free. And, and um, you know, just had a passion for teaching the gospel and the Bible in a way that really connects with the next generation and, and the lost. A lot of my generation don't really go to church anymore. The ones that I grew up with in youth group and college ministry. And I was just seeing more and more um, people disengage with faith because there's so many questions. And I was really frustrated with that as a pastor. And so um, I just always had this like desire. There, there, there has to be more that we can do to reach um, this, this next generation. And so um, felt of this cathartic, supernatural feeling to plant a church. I did everything I could to run away from that. Um, but two years after that, uh, my wife felt a nudge from God. And uh, after that, I had no excuse. And so that's kind, of the, that's kind of the birth. That's a double whammy right there. Yeah, that's kind right of the birth of, of hug. and. And I didn't even know what city to plant in. All I knew was this calling from God to plant. Uh, I didn't even really have a vision statement. I just knew God wants me to plant this church. <laughs> I just have this heart for this, these people that are disengaged and not coming out to church that are post-Christian. Right. And, um, you know, God helped me out a lot because he, he helped me. He's like, oh, this kid doesn't know what he's doing, so I'm going <laughs> to help him out. Walked into this building, uh, field work, because honestly, 
uh, my wife and I were interested in doing our daughter's first birthday here. If you guys know, I'm Korean. I'm Korean, so first birthdays for Korean Americans are, are like the quinceanera of uh, Koreans. Most people spend more, more on their first birthday of their uh, child than a wedding. So that is wow. how serious first oh, birthday is. Wow. So we came in here in this space that charges, who knows, thousands of an hour or whatever, right? <laughs> and then uh, it was, you know, Eunice was like, that's my wife's name. He was like, well, you know, we want to do our, what if we, what if we did church here? I was like, dude, get out of here, in, in here. Um, but honestly, the manager walked out, and right before we walked into this space, it's a co-working space, and um, the manager was like, hey, you know, what, what do you guys think about leasing the space? Well, like, yeah, you know. And I was like, hey, don't tell her church, okay? <laughs> but he was like, you know, we're, we're actually, are you guys a church? Because we're actually praying for a church to come in here. We're like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, uh, do I... I can't lie. So like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, hey, man, I got chairs. I got sound system from Rock Harbor. I got pipe and drape carpet. And I was like, oh, my God. He was like, you know, I'll give it to you for a good rate. And I was just like, I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the story kind of comes all together in, in this one thing. The night before, you know, I was having a really hard time and having a lot of doubts about my call and whatnot. But with my team, we, we just prayed. We did what, we, what you did what you did when you don't know what you're doing, right? You just pray. <laughs> and um, my sister-in-law, actually, after our prayer session, she said she had a vision. I don't know if you guys are into that, but she said that God gave her a vision. And I was like, okay, I'm not too into that, but I was like, I believe it can happen. <laughs> and then our worship leader, Eric, he's like, I, you know, or she said, I just saw all these trees in this vision. I was like, okay. And then our worship leader's like, I saw the same thing. I was like, okay, God is doing something here. And um, I tell that story because um, the person that was uh, renting uh, or, or showing us around and inviting us into this space, he was a church planter himself. And uh, I said, hey, what's the name of your church? And he said, oh, my church is called Redwood. I was like, okay, cool. Um, why do you call it Redwood? I'm pretty dense at this point. And <laughs> he's like, you know, like a Redwood tree, if you know it, it's just so heavy. It has to grow in community, and it shares all these roots. So when you go to a redwood forest, you just see all these trees. You see all these trees out there. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. And I look at my wife. She's just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh yeah, there was something about that. <laughs> you know, and honestly, that's my honest story of like, I, I just knew I had a call to plant a church. I did not know where. But that was just, I just took that as a sign, like, you know, God wants us to be in Fullerton. God wants us to at least start in this space. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing some good ministry, you know, friends that are atheists, Jews, LGBTQ, which you guys are um, definitely warm and embracing, you know, welcome mm-hmm. to, and have come into this space and have explored what it looks like to, to believe in God, mm-hmm. to even try out faith in church. Um, a lot of breakthrough has happened on that floor right there. There's a lot of tears have been shed, a lot of breakthrough. And so um, we're launching this week. This Sunday is our first weekly gathering. So please pray for us. (laughs) Tell your friends. You need it. Yeah, tell tell your I mean, you guys are church planting too, so you guys know. Andy knows. That is, um, yeah. And that is my long-winded kind of answer to like the story, the journey, how we are here. And um, you know, when Andy called me to, to co-sponsor, co-host this event, you know, it just made a lot of sense because we, we have the same mission. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know the, we believe that the church 
should be the safest place for post and pre-Christians and it's the safest place to talk about anything and mm -hmm. um, that's why we do this event and so we're on the same vision same values and it just made sense to do this together and so yeah. hopefully do a lot more work together yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I'm, I'm all for it 100% thanks so, for listening yeah. guys yeah nice um, Eddie, thanks a lot for sharing. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it, and uh, you know, of course, Valentine's Day is coming. You know, so what? yeah, I know this is actually helping me to remember that Valentine's Day is coming. By the uh, way, I gotta put it so on my keep, phone. <laughs> I keep getting, I'm almost like, for me, I've been like counting counting the days. I've been like using this as the marker of like, okay, I know the podcast is on the eighth, so I have whatever uh, six more days between the eighth and that to yeah, just make yeah, it happen. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and for guys who are like absolute heroes out there, like six days, bro, I had this thing planned thirty days ago. I know, so man, obviously, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm way behind. Yeah, first year dating, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Seven years in, it feels like the first year. See, that's how it should feel. That's right. Right. That's how it should feel. Now, yeah. um, so yeah, so. Uh, uh, Tim, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from, sure. and then, um, you know, I'm going to let you go. Right, and Eddie and I are going to get in and dig out the stuff that you're Absolutely. going for and ask a lot of questions about really crazy sex positions and hope that this all goes well. So We have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, my name is Tim Yohoff. I'm a professor at Biola University. I teach classes on communication things like family communication, gender, um, conflict resolution. Uh, I've written about communication for years. Uh, one of the silliest things I've ever done in my life is I wrote a book on marriage. Don't ever write a book about marriage. <laughs> Why? Because your wife reads it. <laughs> and she's like, we do chapter 13? It's like, well, you know, broad strokes, we do chapter 13. Um, so uh, to me, it's a mystery when it comes to communication. Uh, sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't go well. Uh, there's actually an ancient Jewish proverb that says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and I think all of us have experienced that. All of us have been part of a conversation that just went south in a heartbeat. You thought this would be a really good idea to talk it out and you try and then suddenly about five minutes in you're like, why did I open my mouth about this topic? So communication theorists have been very interested in, okay, what what makes a conversation be productive and what makes a conversation not be productive? And so they've come up with this idea called communication climates, which means uh, just like there's a climate outside um, that affects what we would do. I mean, if it was raining outside, we would adjust. If it was really cold outside, we would adjust. Uh, my wife and I on our honeymoon, this was so funny, we get married, and my wife says to me on our honeymoon, honey, let's go skydiving. And I looked at my wife, now, now what am I supposed to say as a young husband? No, honey, that frightens me, right? So we go, we go skydiving, we train all day to do this, and then you know what happened? It, this was in Colorado, inclement weather came in. And the jump master said to us, listen, I'm sorry, you, you can't jump in this kind of weather. You can't jump in this climate, it just wouldn't be safe. So we'll have to wait tomorrow and hope for a better weather, better climate. Well, communication theorists know that as soon as you start talking to another person, there is a communication climate. And it is just as real as anything uh, that would affect us outside. And if you don't adjust to the communication climate, it's going to greatly hinder communication. So um, 
theorists have been really interested in, okay, well, what is the climate? You can't see it, mm -hmm. but it impacts your communication. So they've come up with four different factors that make part of a communication climate. Now, tonight we're gonna to apply this to marriage, but we could easily apply this to the mess that we're in politically in our country, right? right? Talk about a negative climate that just stops any productive conversations. Right, sure. So a communication climate, roughly, is made up of four different aspects. First would be the expectations you have with that other person. And again, when you get married or you start dating, you have a truckload of expectations. They're both spoken and unspoken. Spoken expectations make a lot of sense. It's just like, hey, I expect this of a girlfriend. I expect this of a boyfriend. I expect this of you as a spouse. Uh, these are the things I've always thought a husband should do, a wife should do, whatever. And I'll tell you what, it's the unspoken that gets you. Mm -hmm. There are certain, oops, there are certain unspoken expectations that uh, it's almost like I, I didn't mention it because I don't have to mention it, yeah. right? Um, on Valentine's Day, of course we're going to do this. I shouldn't even have to say it, but boy, that'll get you in a lot of trouble pretty quickly. Like, um, we discovered our first year of marriage, <clears throat> I had a birthday. Right? And listen, in the Mulehoff household, birthdays, you wake up in the morning, there's a card waiting for you, there's a gift waiting for you. I mean, that's, that's oh, just how that's nice. birthdays should be done, right? <laughs> so Noreen comes from a wonderful Irish family. I call them the Irish Waltons. The way they did birthdays, and it's, it's sick, it's twisted. They waited until dinner. Oh. That's when you got oh. the card. That's rough. Right? So I literally wake up our first year of marriage, my first birthday married, and I get up and I walk downstairs. There's nothing. There's nothing. And I, I look around, I'm like, well, there's got to be a card. And Noreen wasn't even home. I think, she has forgotten my birthday. And Noreen's like, Noreen has not forgotten it. She's got a card, a gift, she's going to make a nice dinner, but we're going to do that. So, so, so Noreen and I had to negotiate that, right? Yeah. You know, John Gottman, one of the key marital researchers in the United States, says, and again, this is a horrible statistic. I apologize for giving you this statistic. Gottman says 67% of all of your marital disagreements are perpetual, which means they'll never be resolved. Why? Because isn't that horrible? That's awful. That is horrible. Somebody's leaving. We, got, oh, we have people leaving. I need to write, I need to write like, as I, as I go into this, I need to just write all the ones down, like, nope, nope, oh. nope, nope, never. I just, just got to write those ones off. Now, why is it perpetual? Because nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Except when it comes to birthday cards. <laughs> Morning. That was wrong, right? No, so 67% means you're going to have to negotiate that. So every climate, is made up of expectations. And whether those expectations are being met or not will deeply affect your communication because it affects the climate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the next one would be, what is the level of acknowledgement between you and your spouse or between you and your partner? Um, do you feel like in a conversation that you are acknowledging the weight of my perspective? It doesn't matter if you agree with it, right. but I at least need to know that, that what I am saying is having an impact on you, both intellectually and emotionally, because that'll trip a wire. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when our kids were young, we have three kids, and we were flying um, back to North Carolina, 
that's where all my kids were born. I did all my graduate work at UNC Chapel Hill. And may I just note that tonight, UNC Chapel Hill Tar Heels beat the Duke Blue Devils in Cameron, <laughs> thus establishing God's goodness. So, <laughs> so we, we are flying back. The kids, you know, you know, you travel with small kids, they can become like animals, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so our kids have now become subhuman. They've been traveling all day. We're tired. We're wiped out. Uh, we hear over the uh, intercom, uh, can uh, Mr. Mulehoff come to the, the front desk? I actually was delusional enough to think they're going to upgrade us to first class. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. I get up there, and she goes, Mr. Mulehoff, we are going to bump your entire family. Uh, we, we are overbooked. Uh, instead of taking individuals, we're going to bump your entire family. I was like, excuse me, no. She said, well, sir, on the back of your ticket, if you read it, we reserve the right to bump you. And I was like, I don't care. Listen, my kids are, my kids are tired. They're hungry. I'm tired. I'm hungry. You are not going to bump us. With no expression whatsoever, she said, really, I'm sorry, but that is the policy of not only this airline, but every airline. It's on the back of your ticket. I was like, excuse me. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And no. But I got no reaction from her. Yeah. So that meant I'm going to ratchet it up. So I literally said to her with all my fervor, I want to talk to your supervisor. And she said, okay. So here comes the supervisor, and I'm just ready to go. And she was wonderful. She said, Mr. Mielhoff, I'm so sorry. I get it. You have small kids. Yes, we're going to bump you, but we're going to put you up. Uh, we're going to get you food. I know this is a really bad situation. I'm really sorry. And you know what? It helped because she yeah. acknowledged it on an emotional level and an intellectual level. Yep. The other woman did not acknowledge it. And so you know what happens in a relationship is I will get you to acknowledge me. If I have to raise my voice, if I have to, so, so acknowledgement is a huge part of a communication climate is, do I at least feel that you've understood my perspective and you're going to consider it and you've given it weight? If, if you want a negative communication climate, then approach another person's perspective with what one person calls detached neutrality, right? It's like, oh, Andy, you must be upset. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Take that times 10. And that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's acknowledgement. And, and then we would add to that um, commitment. Do I feel like we're committed in this relationship? Or if we have an argument, do I feel like the relationship is in danger and may not continue, right? So a commitment means, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not going anywhere if we're talking about a marriage relationship. I remember early on we had an argument, and I remember Noreen saying to me, uh, hey, let's figure this out or the, or the next 60 years is going to be rough. <laughs> the subtext is, hey, I'm not going anywhere. So that commitment is really important in a relationship. And again, dating is different. Date, dating is more complicated because you've not made that commitment to each other. It could end. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, different things like that. The last one is what psychologists would say is the most important part of any communication climate, and that is, what is the level of trust between you and that person? Can I trust you that um, what you say in public is what you live out in private? Uh, can I trust you that you're a person of the word? In today's culture of spin, do I feel like you're always spinning an answer when I ask you some 
different kind of questions. So that mm -hmm. level of trust is really important. Um, so, so I speak on relationships all the time, which is really like an occupational hazard, because often my wife's in the audience, like she is right now. She's sitting there waving at me in the front row. So Noreen hears me speak about marriage, and it could be really frustrating to her if, if, if I continually say, hey, the marriage is the most important thing, your spouse should, should get your prime energy and time, and Noreen's sitting there going, wow, I, you know, I don't get that. Yeah. Right? So that, that's very humbling. Is, is this part of it? Her sitting there, is this the prime energy yes, right now? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, I was speaking at a marriage conference one time. This is so funny. And Noreen often speaks with me. This time she was in the audience. And I finished a whole day of speaking on marriage, and Noreen's listening to all of it. So afterwards, we were walking out, and I just said to her, hey, I'm really sorry that I do like half of everything I said up there. And Noreen's <laughs> response is, half? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't give yourself so much credit. <laughs> I'm so sorry I do like 85% of everything. You know? So Andy, uh, Eddie, take all of that, those four different factors, Put it together, and that is the backdrop of your conversation. Like, like mm -hmm. you feel like you need to talk about finances, which every couple does. Yeah. You need to talk about parenting strategies if you're a parent. We need to talk about different things. Well, can you go for a run if the heat index is 115? The answer is yes. It's just not going to be productive, and it could even be dangerous. So generally speaking, I would never say to a couple, well, hey, just talk it out without any kind of strategy or paying attention to what the climate is. So, so you know when they have um, firework displays and you see the advertisement, what is the one thing that's always at the bottom of the advertisement? It says, weather permitting. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So I think couples need to say, hey, um, is the climate strong enough for us to talk about sexual intimacy? Is it strong enough for us to talk about the finances? And if the climate, so we all need to figure out how to judge a climate. Um, and there's a lot of tools out there. I wrote a book called Marriage Forecasting that might be helpful to some. But, but we need to find a way to say, okay, what's our climate like other than just my pit in my stomach evaluation of it? So, um, so put all that together. And let me just say one last point, then let's jump in. Don't confuse weather with climate. In other words, some of your relationships have, have a very good climate. You're just experiencing negative weather right now. Like, like California usually is great climate, but we get thunderstorms every once in a while. Right, sure. So yeah. don't confuse, or climate is bad because we're experiencing a relational thunderstorm right now. Mm -hmm. it, it is, now sometimes the climate really is bad and that needs to be addressed. So climate is a huge part of all communication. It applies to dating, family, um, politics. Uh, you can't get away from a communication climate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the four elements that I think we need to pay attention to, to, to judge how well we're doing climate-wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you see why American politics is such a mess. Yeah. The climate is bad, yeah. so right. we can't talk about important things. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're just dropping stuff into, you know, Facebook. Oh, you know, I yeah. mean, it's just, it's kind of, it's yeah. like saying like, well, anyway, that's, I mean, that's an incredibly complex issue granted with. Right. Big data and what right. you like matters and yep. you get exposed to all kinds of yep. things in the feed. Yeah. But I mean, the thing that I wonder though, so you, you put all those elements together, but then how do you, so I mean, and there's going to be some folks probably hearing this stuff tonight and I'm sure certain spouses are thinking like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. How do I get my, how do I get my husband or my, my wife to acknowledge me more? Because they realize, okay, that's the greatest deficit because I, I connect with that because acknowledgement right. yeah. is like, 
you know, that thing, like where, okay, so that's good. So how, okay, you know, you have like the Doppler 335 ABC News kind of thing. So what do you do about, how, how do you, how do you start to actually begin a conversation to determine climate in, within like a relationship and like yeah. within your marriage? Like how does that even begin? Like if someone is even aware of how like in, influential and effective that is for, for their relationship. Yeah, and, and there's, uh, um, we, we could determine what the weather is like, what the climate is like. We, there's a sophisticated way we can do it mm -hmm. that meteorologists use, right? And there's a simple way, uh, open the window, look up. Right? That, that's a quick way to say, hey, what's, what's the climate like? Yeah, yeah. So I think every relationship needs to have quick ways to determine, but then there's complex ways of trying to determine. But, but I would say, Andy, that we all need to have conversations about how we have conversations. Okay, yeah. We all need to have conversations about, hey, generally speaking, how are we doing mm -hmm. when it comes to acknowledgement? And, and even say to your spouse, um, how do you think I do at acknowledging your perspective. Now that's all right. right. Yeah, don't don't right. ask that question unless you're willing to hear the answer. Right. Um, so uh, to, to have a talk about the climate and break it up in those four categories, I think can be really helpful. But, but again, that's gonna be an attitude thing, right? If I go into that conversation with a negative attitude, if I'm defensive mm -hmm. the minute you say, hey, I think you, you could do this maybe better, then you're gonna shoot the climate right there because I'm defensive. Right, right. So uh, it's a hard issue heading in. Um, I care about this relationship, I care about the climate, and I'm willing to hear maybe a hard truth when I ask, hey, how well do I do listening? Mm -hmm. uh, acknowledging your perspective. And that, that's important um, that you go into it with the right attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Cool, I got, I got a question. So, um, you know, my, my wife and I, we are in the the hardest season of our lives. We have two kids, uh, years one and three. And so we're like in survival mode. We, we chose to uh, not sleep train our kids, so we co-sleep with them. It's a, it's a very wise thing to do. No, I'm just kidding, I'd never do that. So, you know, like we're, we're in survival mode. I'm planting a church. I don't Absolutely. Know, I don't know. Absolutely. I, I have to take it up with the big guy, you know, why you called oh. the plant in this yeah. season. But, you know, um, obviously there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of tension, there's passive aggressiveness that happens, and that's just normal. Okay. And so, you know, Eunice and I, we like to just, we do something called, we either like call, call it like cleaning up or do a clear off where we like, hey, we set aside a time and we clean it up. And, um, and, and you know, we're, just, we're, we're pretty green at this, right? So we're just like, I'm gonna listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna listen to yeah. me. Yeah. And then, some sort of plan of action, yeah. right? Some new commitments, new covenant is made in that sense. But I want to I want to hear your take. What are some ground rules that you would recommend in a in a in a situation like that when you're trying to clean up or reconcile a conversation? Yeah, I, um, and, and let me just say this for listeners who may be in that season of life. Yeah. So sometimes the climate is affected by things that are very seasonal. Like when we had small kids, we were exhausted. Yeah. I mean, exhausted. Yeah, someone throw me a beer right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I think it, that's where it helps to be around other couples who have gone through that season of life or they're in that season of life. Because all of you, I mean, those who have teenagers, right? It's this unspoken bond. You just look at a parent of teenagers and everybody goes, yeah, I got nothing. 
right? Because it's a, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is so liberating wow. okay. to know that people in your season of life, Eddie, it's just fatiguing. Yeah. And if you're physically tired, you become emotionally tired. Yes. So I really commend you for doing what you have to do. I mean, you can't put yourself on hold until the kids get to eight, nine, ten. Yeah. I mean, I did this four hours ago, so I'm I'm fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, we call these communication rules. Um, the technical word for this is constitutive, which means what counts as... Can you spell that? Constitutive. I actually can't. <laughs> spell check has ruined my spelling. Yeah. I, I can't. I do well on my SATs, but I can't. Constitutive. Isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it funny when you try to write it out and spell check can't even help you? You're no. not even in the ballpark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, like, you're tapping it a few times. My, I, my like, iPhone autocorrects everything to like... That's not, they're giving me the wrong word. They're giving me a misspelled word. What is happening? Yeah. Mississippi. Forget it. I got nothing. Spell check is like, you're not even in the ballpark with Mississippi. <laughs> and I think constitutive is like that, but all constitutive means is what counts as what. So to have the conversation, okay, we're going to have a clean-up conversation. Yeah. What counts as listening? Mm. How, how would you want me to listen to you as um, you try to clean up this aspect of our relationship? And what counts as disrespect mm. as I'm speaking? And that's going to be different for every couple. Um, I think I, I like the attitude of, um, why don't you go first and, and tell me how, how you think we're doing and what needs to be cleaned up. And my job is simply to ask um, clarifying questions and give summary <coughs> statements. Now that's hard to do. There's an ancient proverb that also says, a wise person <coughs> overlooks an insult. Mm -hmm. So during that stage, maybe my wife doesn't say it perfectly. Right? right? So to overlook that and, and ask for clarification of what she's trying to get at, not necessarily critique the way she's saying it. So to give preference to a person and say, listen, I'm going to give you unhindered time to talk about how you think we're doing, how the climate's doing. I promise as much as possible I'm not going to get defensive and interject. Though I might need a time out, mm -hmm. right? Some of those things might be hard to hear. Hey, I need a quick time out, which means I might take a walk around the block. Yeah. I just need some time because I am getting defensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I get the so you get to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you gonna leave right now? Right. Oh yeah. Like, okay, so I'll stay with the kids and you get to have. I mean, a I'm gonna take a like, three-hour walk you around can take the a block. Walk? I yeah, don't yeah, know. okay. I, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. Just take the baby with you on your walk. <laughs> that that. But, you see, the but these rules can no. be whatever rules you decide with your wife. Sure a partner, this is, this is how we're going to try to do this um, in a way that seems fair, equitable. Here are some things we're going to agree ahead of time not to do. We're not going to do name calling, we're not going to counter charge, which means uh, as soon as you say, well, I, I feel like you don't do this in the relationship, my gut level is to say, well, uh, well let me tell you what you don't do. Mm -hmm. Right? That's defensiveness. Sure. And we've got to be very careful. So I mentioned John Gottman, the 67% guy. Yeah. Right? Here's another thing Gottman said that absolutely rocked the communication world. He said this, I can watch a couple argue, Gottman said, for five minutes, and I can predict in the 90th percentile if they get a divorce, that they'll get a divorce. Five minutes. That's bold. Right. Now, by the way, I could do that too. If, if a couple's having an argument and one of them has an axe, in his hand, <laughs> I'm going to say, I think they're headed for trouble. But here's what Gottman said. 
Gottman's, he called them the four horsemen of a relational apocalypse, which is kind of dr dramatic. Wow. <laughs> he, I know, a bit. So, um, it's so, so funny, he's an academic, Andy, yeah. and got criticized for not, his stuff wasn't accessible. So, the four horsemen of a, of a, of a relational apocalypse <laughs> is his attempt to make it accessible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just, it was a little hokey. But, it, but his research bears it out. It's one of the, the longest longitudinal studies of couples in the United States. And he said this, there are four things if when you argue, these are habitual. Now that's the key word because I'm sure all of us have done them every once in a while. <clears throat> one on his list is defensiveness. If every time you bring something up, my response is to be defensive and give you a counterclaim. Like, like you could say, honey, I, I wish you would pick up more around the house. And I say, what, I'm the only messy one? You're the messy one. I'm the only one who doesn't do dishes? Gottman says if that's the habit, if that's the pattern, that marriage is at risk. Second is what he calls um, criticism or complaint. He said every marriage should be free to offer complaint. Right? This is what I wish done differently. Criticism is I attack your character. So it's one thing to say, honey, I wish our apartment was cleaner, and I wish you picked up things on a more regular basis. It's another thing to say, you're a slob, and you don't care about how our house looks. Mm -hmm. Gottman says, if you continually go after my character like that, and it's habitual, that marriage is going to end in divorce. Yeah. Uh, the third one is contempt, which means, I used to have positive thoughts about you. And even during dating, it was crazy, the positive thoughts, right? And infatuation is, I love everything about you because I don't know anything about you, right? That, that's infatuation. <laughs> but now, Gottman says, my language reveals I now believe the worst about you, mm. not the best. And if that's habitual, then that's going to end in divorce. And the very last one is stonewalling, which he said is, Gottman was famous for saying, show me a couple that argues and I can save the relationship because they care enough to argue. Mm -hmm. Show me a couple where one chooses not to argue and engage, I, I don't know if I can save the marriage. Where both don't, I can't save the marriage. So in other words, couples that argue show that I still am emotionally invested enough to argue. Yeah. So um, those are the four horsemen uh, that we really need to be on guard against. And again, all of us have done that. All of us have had a bad argument, a bad season. But he means, he means this is habitual. This is, this is the norm. And so those are the things, as we talk to each other, our antennas need to be up saying, okay, hey, I think we're stonewalling. Yeah. I, I think we're, uh, I think I'm in danger of really being locked into this um, criticism mode. Yeah. So our antennas need to be up as we have this conversation. Uh, here are the things to really try to avoid. Right, yeah, nice. Well, now I'm wondering what you're all thinking. <laughs> um, I'd love to see if you guys have some questions um, that Tim can answer in relationship to that stuff. Because um, I am a relational expert. Yeah. <laughs> it would seem. You know what's funny? My, my dissertation in grad school was on marital communication. So I love to say to my wife, I technically have a PhD in oh marital gosh. communication. And Noreen will say, you're good at the theory part of it. Right? Kind of an idea. <laughs> oh, man, that's and funny. nothing's easier in life than fixing somebody else's marriage or raising somebody else's kids. That is the <laughs> easiest thing in life. So I'm ready for your questions, and Sorry. you jump in, Eddie. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab that mic, and then I'll I'll walk over and okay, great. see if I can get an answer. I'm gonna have to Jimmy rig some stuff. Say something funny. 
Uh, <laughs> Eddie, you've been married how long? Four and a half years. Four and a half Four years. Half, yeah, that's, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, that wasn't that funny. What's another funny question you got? <laughs> how do you make that blue crystal meth, Heisenberg? <laughs> Where's your hat? You know, I actually get that all the time. Uh, uh, no, really? I, uh, wow, I'm so shocked. I was just at Chick-fil-A, and, and the woman said to me, would you be offended if I, uh, if I told you you looked like a guy from Breaking Bad? And I said, I teach at a conservative Christian school, and you just compared me to a meth kingpin. Actually, I'm greatly encouraged. Right? I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. They're giving you their treasure. Take it, take it, take it. That was yeah, funny. I, that was good. I get that yeah, all the time. Yeah, I really good. do. Yeah. Um, if I had your hair, mm. I'd still have hair. What about my hair? Wow, nice. I, I, yeah. My son said to me, I think, uh, he said, Dad, I think. I think bald is better Whoa. than balding. Bald, yeah, yeah, that's true. So I shaved my head literally the next day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yep. Almost there. All right. Keep being funny. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Okay. All right. I will have to, I can come out about yay far, so someone will have to move. Let's go. Come on up. All right. So you've spoken a lot about marriage. I was wondering, how does this apply to like a parent-child dynamic oh. where there's a different power, structure, power structure? Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, mm. uh, but Good one question. quick disclaimer. I've never been asked to write a book on parenting, right? So, Noreen's smiling. You want to co-author a book? Too? You want to co-author a book? Oh, we'll do it. Yeah. Can, can you write this down? Yeah, it's called, it'll be called How to Raise Other People's Kids. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the communication climate principle absolutely applies to parenting. It is, it is changed by the power dynamic. And, and that changes as kids more get older and establish more autonomy and uh, you enter into a more of a peer relationship with them, like when they become adults. So that climate actually works really well uh, in talking to kids, right? So uh, you get to the teenage years where it's just rebellion. So now it's, um, you don't feel like you're being acknowledged at all. Your opinion matters least. So we've got to find ways of looking for the positive within the climate and reinforcing the positive. So um, one thing I wrote about in the book Marriage Forecasting is taking a relational truce from conflict for a season. Because you know when you have teenage kids, it could be this 24-7, right? You could be butting heads 24-7 with your teenage son or daughter. But, but if you do that, the climate's gonna steadily go downhill. So you have to force yourself to acknowledge, and this is the acknowledgement part of it, is catch your child doing what's right. It's so easy at the teenage stage or even the toddler stage to catch them doing what's wrong. So I force myself to, to affirm my kids. Um, and, and that's hard. You know, you walk into a room, you ask that it be cleaned, and it, like a, a bomb went off in that room. <laughs> and it, you walk in, you say, uh, hey, uh, how, how did it go cleaning your room? And the answer is, great, done. And you're like, Wow. <laughs> wow. But, but to find the positive, right? Mm -hmm. To say, hey, uh, well, thanks. Um, thanks for taking time to clean your room. Now, it did not meet my expectations whatsoever. Mm -hmm. but, but again, if, if all I do is butt heads with my kids, that climate's going downhill. Mm -hmm. 
So I like to take a, a truce, which means I am purposely not going to be negative with my children for a certain amount of time. Now, if you're just locked into that mode, that's denial. If you never get back to, to helping, you know, having complaints, then that's just flat out denial. But I think we need to go through a season. If you feel like you're in a, your climate is in a negative place, then I would say let's have a season where all you do is find the good that your child is doing or find the good that your spouse is doing, and that's all you comment on. And again, it, it only takes one spouse to do that. It doesn't take two. One spouse can choose to say, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to compliment my spouse at least once a day or compliment my kids one, once a day. And hopefully, no climate will be perfect, but hopefully that will raise the climate enough that you can have an honest conversation about, hey, I don't think that's a clean room, right? But right now, I can guarantee you how that conversation is going to go. It's going to go negative. If I start to, because your child feel like that's all you do is critique me, and I don't meet your expectations. So I, I would seek to find positivity as much as humanly possible and force yourself to compliment. It's, it's hard. Why is everything you say counterintuitive? To humans, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I, there, there's a spiritual answer to that question, right? And the spiritual answer is, we're, we're, uh, this world does not operate as God intended, and all of us, to a varying degrees, have been tainted by um, our imperfection, and, and it does muck up communication. It does. So, yeah. All right, who's next? Oh, there we go. Well, Eddie, okay. Right oh, there. okay. Right, here we go. Right, yeah. So we heard Eddie talk about uh, calling cleaning up was the, the activity. Yeah. What do the Mulehoffs call it? And what have you heard other people call it as, as kind of uh, cueing yeah. Yeah. it's time to address issues between us? Hey, I love the, I love the cleanup thing. I think yeah, we good. call it a cleanup or clear off. Like, I need a, I need a clear off with you, honey, oh. later, 9 p.m. tonight. Whoa. Oh, you had me at hello. Yeah. Is, there is there a dress code for that? <laughs> so we always naked. I'm just <laughs> so we have some friends. We've actually adopted this. I think it's I think it's great. They say to each other, "Hey, do you want to do a do-over on that? You want to take a do-over on that? Right? You, you you say something and it came across harsh. Mm. You said something and it, it just didn't play well, mm. or you just messed up." That was a terrible way to start a conversation. And it's good for a spouse to say, hey, would you like to have a do-over on that? And I'm like, yes, I really would. I really would like to have a do-over. So it's just a nice way of rebooting sometimes when you just feel like, man, this went south, and uh, let's do a reboot. Um, Noreen and I have done that on certain occasions where uh, we just said, you know, the day got off on a really bad start. And it's just like, hey, can we take a reboot? Uh, can we uh, have a do-over? It's like, yeah, let's do a do-over. Mm. Um, now, that can be misused. I mean, if I'm always saying, hey, let's have a do-over. Can I have a do-over? Can I have a do-over? Uh, then I think you have to get to the cause of, okay, like, w what's tripping this up that you're always calling for a do-over? Mm. Um, and that, that's a great conversation to have is, why, why, why is it that we always get off on the wrong foot when we talk about our differences? That's a good conversation to have. How can you get off on the right foot when you have a conversation is a good question to ask. It's probably nice too, like if, if they're saying, if they're constantly doing do-overs, it still also means they're emotionally invested. Yeah. Because if you're saying just yeah. like, nope, I ain't doing a do-over, I meant that. You know oh, what I mean? It's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's like that kind of at least says like, okay, I'm aware that I keep 
kind of messing up. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. And so, but. And that's the contempt part, I think, of uh, what Gottman's saying is, I meant to hurt you with that. Right. Hey, I think that was pretty harsh. Yeah, you're right. It was. It was. Because you deserved it. <laughs> that's, a hard, that's a hard place to be. So one of my favorite uh, indie groups, I, I, I feel the need to be... Why, why you point to me when you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're hip, young, and cool. Right. So I want to impress you that I know the group Death Cab for Cutie. I love that girl. Hey. 2003. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Like 15 years ago. 15 years ago. I went, I went ago. to that concert 2003. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was contempt. <laughs> Can I get a do-over? Can I get a do-over? Yes. So, wow, Tim, you know death. Yes, Eddie, I oh do. Goodness. You want to go to a concert? Yes. yes, and they periodically broke off and formed another group called the Postal Service. But Whoa. now Whoa. I'm just bragging. Whoa. Right, so, Death Cab for Cutie wrote this unbelievably good song. Uh, for my students, I play two songs to end my class on uh, family communication. <laughs> One is called Brothers in a Hotel Bed. <laughs> and their song is a married couple who are passionately in love with each other. Now, because they've grown distant, they sleep like brothers in a hotel bed. Remember when your parents would do this? Mm -hmm. I have two older brothers, and they were going to save money, and all the brothers had to sleep in one bed, so you made sure that you would not even touch each other, right? <laughs> so sadly, this couple that was passionately in love now sleeps in a bed like brothers in a hotel bed, which means they are far away from each other as possible. And those of you married, you know that the, the, wedding the marriage bed can be the loneliest place in the world, right, when you're angry with each other. I then quote another song by Sarah Groves that said, where she has a song called Roll to the Middle, hmm. where, where she had an argument with her husband, sat down and penned a song when she was still angry. And she said, you know what, we just had World War III and we said things that we promised we would never say to each other. Hmm. Now we're in bed and one of us had better roll to the middle. Hmm. And all of us have been in that situation where it's like, hey, one of us has got to make a move because we're getting entrenched right now. Yeah. So I love playing those two songs that you're gonna have to just make a decision somewhere, one of us has to do something because we're in a negative spiral. Mm -hmm. And um, I, think, I think sexual intimacy actually registers how the whole relationship is doing as a whole. Mm -hmm. I really do think it's like a, 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 ther uh, a thermometer of the relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, so there just comes a time you gotta act. Like this just can't continue. And so one of us is going to have to step up and, you know. So when, when there's like stonewalling or oh, like, you know, non-touching, yeah. you know, I've been modeled like first one speaks, loses. That's like oh, what I've been modeled, right? First wow. one that reaches out, it's like, yeah, you lost. You know you messed up, right? Wow. So, I mean, would you, I mean, like everyone's like shocked right now. Was <laughs> <laughs> it, it just me? Did I just have a stoic Asian parents? Sorry. Right. Well, right, you're right. sick. <laughs> sick person. Well, so I mean, what I'm hearing is like, would you like, would you advocate of like, be the first to kind of break, you know, take the initiation, like, don't be afraid to be the first one to yeah. speak. It's not doesn't mean you're losing. You're actually, you're 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 triggering something that would, you know, um, mend quicker or. Yeah, and this is where my Christianity really informs how I try to do marriage and relationships. Uh, one of the major writers of the New Testament says, I want you to give preference to one another. I, I want you not just to look out for your own interests, mm -hmm. he says, but I want you to look out for the interests of others. So there comes a point where I need to give preference to my wife. 
right? And by the way, I might think she's wrong. Like, I think you're dead wrong in this situation. But this is not healthy, what we're doing right now. So you're right, I could wait it out and try to convince you one more time that you're wrong, right? But man, now you're locked, right? right? That's, not gonna, that's trench warfare. Nobody's going anywhere. So this is my decision to say, okay, I'm going to give preference to you, and I'm going to come to you and say, you know what, I, I, this is what I blew in the relationship. This is what I did wrong. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and you had better cop to what you did wrong. <laughs> right? Right? Or right? it's just like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, you did. That's yep. it? Yep, yep. You, but that's where my Christianity helps me, is that I, I believe that God took a step towards me when I didn't deserve it. Ooh, so I think, right. that's, yeah. I think that's important. Not, not everybody has Christianity or even a belief in whatever. So, so there I think some, there just comes a time in a relationship where you just have enough forethought to say, this can't continue. We're on a negative spiral right now, and one of us has got to make a move. And so thinking about the overall health of the relationship could spur you on to say, I need to make the, I need to make the first move here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But families affect us, Eddie. Man, you walk into that marriage or a relationship, man, you have like a third person in the room whispering in your ear 24-7. My parents, the way they did conflict, uh, there was verbal abuse that happened, and then one of them would eventually just leave and then come back and pretend like nothing happened. Are your parents Asian? I don't... No, they're, they're German. <laughs> they're German. So, um, so early in our marriage, I did that. I was like, I, we are, I'm not going to be my parents. So we're not going to do conflict. Because when we do conflict, we're like my parents. Mm-hmm. So if conflict happened, I literally would walk out of the room, come back in, and act like nothing happened. And Noreen's like, whoa, we can't do that. We need to talk about this. No, no, we don't need to talk about this. We're just going to pretend like everything's OK. And Noreen's like, yep, can't do it. we cannot do that. So our families follow us into these relationships in really powerful ways. Right. Yeah. It's big. Anyone else? Yeah, come on up. Here you go. So for somebody who hasn't been married very long, mm-hmm. do you have recommendations for like how to start a really good climate? Or um, yeah, what, what would your tips be? Uh, other than buying my book? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so most communication theorists believe that communication is like blood to the body. If the communication stops, the body eventually dies, if blood flow stops. So I would say it really is good to get to work on, in the first two years of your marriage, John Gottman says, is when you lay the ground rules for how you're going to approach conflict, how you're going to approach differences. By the way, he said those first two years often can be where conflict happens because you really are trying to mesh two different worlds, two different perspectives. So I I think I would lay the ground, so when you're doing well and hopefully you're in a good place early in the marriage, I would say, okay, so how, uh, what is a good conversation? Um, What's your preferred way that I listen to you? Um, If we do have conflict, how are we gonna seek to resolve it? Like what's our game plan heading into it? If the marriage hits a big bump in the road, who's the first couple we call? to get outside perspective? What are the resources that we have? So I'd be, like in North Carolina, our kids would do hurricane drills, precisely in moments when there weren't hurricanes. You prepare for what's gonna come, and conflict is part and parcel 
of every single relationship. We call it the inevitability of conflict. I don't care what marriage it is, conflict is gonna hit that marriage. So when you're on a good roll, is the time to step back and say, okay, uh, what is our philosophy of conflict? What are we gonna do? What's, our, what, what's, what's a good apology? What's a so-so apology? And to have those conversations when you're in a good rhythm is really, I think, beneficial. So make hay while the sun is shining and enjoy that time, uh, the honeymoon time, and really sit down and lay out the ground rules. And Gottman says, if you do the hard work in the first two years, you will reap benefit for the next 20, 30 years. So yeah, do the hard work now. Go to a marriage conference. Go to a, get, inf I'd, I'd read a good book on marriage every year that you're married and just get more tools in the toolbox. I almost have the same question on the opposite side. I mean, if you've been married for 20 years, 30 years, and you're in a place where you can see the climate and you know it's bad, and it's been bad for a long time, yeah. and it seems like you're on the side of resentment on both sides. I mean, how do you, you know, where do you, I mean, we're obviously we're saying that this is like a framework, and it seems like through counseling you might arrive at some of this information and then start to apply those kinds of tools, but, um, I'm just curious, like, and the, the same question on the other side. If you've been married for that long, how do, how do you begin to start a conversation there? So my wife and I have been speaking at marriage conferences for 20 years? 20 years. And, and at these conferences, we share basic information, uh, information that you guys probably know sitting in this room, basic conflict resolution skills, basic listening skills, right? I mean, th there isn't much grand... Uh, information that a couple walks away and going, ah, that was the secret key. Here's one thing I think our conference gives in a weekend, hope. I think it gives hope. I think couples walk in, and it's a miracle they're there, but I think they've lost hope. So, so they're this close to stonewalling, but I'm gonna give this one last shot. I'm gonna be here. And I do think couples, um, more than listening, they need hope, or they'll never use the listening skills. So I do think they walk out of that conference saying, you know what, I think we, there's still time to reboot. I think there's still time that we can turn this thing around. And by the way, divorce happens within the first four or five years of the marriage, and then it happens when the kids leave the house. That's when couples have let so much slide, and they've kind of had a family affair, right? The kids are the most important thing about this marriage, and the whole goal of the marriage was to have well-adjusted kids. But now that the kids are raised and out of the house, you get the Al and Tipper Gore effect, right? After 40 years of marriage, they call it quits because uh, the kids are grown, and that was the purpose of the marriage, and that, that's what they admitted. So I do think to say to a couple, you can reboot, and it is possible to reboot. It's gonna be hard, but you can do it. I think if the hope is there, then I, I think a couple can utilize the tool. So I'd want to give couples hope that their marriage hasn't re reached this no return place. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love Go that ahead. the I, I love that you're offering. Yeah, I know, your, right? Cat, your partner. Right? Right? I love you that. Have a question. I know you got a question. Go. And of course, this is just for a friend, right? Yes, yeah, of right. course. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so. Uh, Let's say that there's a good climate, or at least you think it's a good climate mm -hmm. in the relationship, but there are a few topics that seem to always bring out a thunderstorm. Right. And so you don't stonewall, but you just avoid the topic. Yeah. Right. And so you feel like you just don't want to cross over into that territory. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so that might be an indicator that actually it's not a good climate or there are just a few kind of cataclysmic things that just you don't bring up. And so how would you advise my friend to, <laughs> <laughs> to be able to engage in that in a way yeah. that it doesn't brood bitterness or resentment or yeah. contempt um, and that you're able to engage, yeah. but you might yeah. need to do it yeah. creatively or differently. Yeah. Um, I, I think my advice to your friend, <laughs> would, I would absolutely celebrate the parts of the climate that are clicking. I would celebrate those. Um, and then I would say, but boy, when it comes to finances, man, we, we're, we lock horns when it comes to finances. That, that's weather, not climate. The climate is good, but, but we have thunderstorms that materialize very quickly. Um, I, I would take them one at a time, and I would want to know, why is that a hot-button topic for me? Like, I, I just don't do well when we talk. And I would analyze myself and to say, what's going on when this topic happens that uh, it's very hard for me to stay engaged and believe the best about you and stuff like that. So I'd pick one topic at a time. <clears throat> um, there, is a, there is a chance that you're going to need outside help with that topic because you just, it's like getting stuck in snow. This is a bad metaphor to use in Southern California. <laughs> but we're, I'm from Detroit. Um, who got Blake Griffin, by the way. How awesome is that, that we got Blake Griffin from the Clippers? I is, that, is that baseball? Basketball. I digress. <laughs> it's not hockey. I just don't pay attention. So we have, some good, we have some good friends who are marriage therapists, and they say, sometimes you just get stuck, and you need a push. And that push can't come from yourself. You need an outside source. So I, I, I'm thrilled that the upcoming generation has a very different view of marital counseling therapy. My dad's generation was you had to admit it was a failure before you went to therapist. And I think that was really unhealthy. So I would say celebrate the positive parts of the climate and then take them one by one and talk about it as you're still working on the positives. Talk about this and then maybe know that you're going to need some outside help uh, to understand why this is your tripwire. But celebrate the positives and always keep an eye on that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, we still have, you know, another uh, 30 minutes that we'll be hanging out and doing stuff. We're going to go ahead and we'll play this game here once we uh, kick off the podcast. But uh, can you guys just say thank you for Tim? For Jeff Cab for cutie. Baby. Yeah, that's it right there. Postal service. Postal. I almost, I almost used Springsteen. That would have been archaic. Well, he's kind of cool now. Yeah, but he's cool now. Oh, he's, he's, he's back cool. to being cool. Yeah, especially if you're playing it on tapes. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep, for sure. Um, just before we wrap up, Tim, um, where can people find you? How can they interact with you on the interwebs and other places? You know, I do have a website. It's uh, timmuehlhoff.com. So it's T-I-M, no space, M-U-E-H-L-H-O-F-F. Uh, Mulehoff is German for the goat is dead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I have no idea what it means. So timmulehoff.com, you can see some of my books. You can check out. I have excerpts from the books and stuff like that. So, awesome, very yeah. good. Um, and yeah, Eddie, same with you. Where can we interact with you on the, on the internet and, and elsewhere? Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, hugchurch.com. It's kind of one of those names that you don't forget. Our church is called Hug. And yeah, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Eddie H. Park. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. Well, great. Again, my name is Andy, the creative director at Box Community. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us tonight on this podcast. And um, yeah, we'll see you around. So uh, check us out on boxoc.com, Facebook, all those great places, except Instagram. I don't know. We don't really do a jam on Instagram just because we talk more than we look at things. <laughs> we, do, we do podcasts instead right. of double tap for I'll likes. I'll tell you what Instagram is later. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. All right. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see you around next time. I couldn't find you. <laughs>